What does the serenity prayer have to do with July 4th? Maybe everything. Let's find out. Welcome to Consciously, a podcast focused on honest conversation by regular people and for regular people seeking spiritual growth. Hey, Consciously, welcome back and welcome to a new week. Today is July 5th, which means we're celebrating July 4th, which I think is a great day. I really, really do. Um, that seems like a funny thing to say. It's obviously a great day. It's uh, you know the day that the independence of America is celebrated. Uh, I'm a big fan of the America, uh, the United States of America. Very fortunate to uh, be a citizen, and for uh, everything it's done for my family. They welcomed us from, you know, Poland and Germany and Nazis and all that terrible stuff. So I'm super grateful to live here, and I'm super grateful to be here and to be a citizen and to enjoy all the gifts and the uh, privileges of freedom. So I've been struggling a lot with this episode. I, I kind of wrote it, wrote out notes for it a few weeks ago even. And I want to talk about today about the serenity prayer, uh, particularly like the freedom as it relates to the, the, the holiday, the day, you know, the way in which the serenity prayer lays out a really nice framework for understanding addiction, but also understanding what it might be like to live free within ourselves, free to pursue our aspirations and goals, free to be ourselves in our relationships and maybe try to get close to the person that we hope to be and maybe that our higher power wants us to be. But I was really struggling with it, you know, because I don't always feel necessarily like the greatest example of the serenity prayer. Um, and also, I just, if I'm not feeling it, it's like a tough topic to talk about. You know, serenity prayer is a big deal. You know, in the recovery world, uh, which is where I live and operate, um, working almost predominantly with individuals in recovery, serenity prayer is like the anchor of the spirituality of the 12-step recovery programs. And, you know, there's a there's a point in the 12 and 12, which is like a set of essays that Bill Wilson, uh, the primary author of the big book of AA and one of the co-founders of Alcoholics Anonymous, calls the serenity prayer, or actually like a, what they call the we version or us version of the serenity prayer, kind of a pluralized version of the serenity prayer, the AA prayer. So it seems to really express what that whole spiritual message uh, is trying to get at. And I, and I have a certain amount of reverence for that. And I, I don't want to be inauthentic. But um, but nonetheless, I really wanted to talk about the Serenity Prayer because I, I find it to be a, a remarkable work of literature. Just the short piece. I mean, the Serenity Prayer is actually a part of a, a broader piece. Um, but the Serenity Prayer itself and what it captures and encapsulates, I think, is amazing. And I'm, I thought it might be meaningful to talk about that. But before we get there, uh, if I could trouble you to do me a favor, and uh, if you haven't already... Uh, to head to Apple or Spotify where you're listening to this podcast, maybe right now, and give us a five-star review. Give us a five stars and give us a review. Reviews are really great. It actually helps get the word out. That's how it really works. We're not like promoting this podcast, but uh, if we can get more people that would be interested in it to hear about it, that would be, I think, a good thing. Um, also, you can spread the word through word of mouth. Um, that's a great way to tell your friends. I'll be honest, I'm happy with you guys. Like Whoever's here, I'm really grateful. But... Uh, you know, be nice. Other people might really benefit from the things I have to say, maybe. 
Also, I want to encourage you to visit our social media pages, Consciously62 and The Light Revealed on Instagram and Facebook. We're doing a great series that really relates to today's topic. It's one of, so one of the reasons I wanted to do this. We're doing a three-part series that's going to run over 36 weeks, so 12 parts uh, of a three-pronged series that looks at serenity, gratitude, and humility as spiritual principles, different aspects of them, um, like we do kind of post prayer for the day, kind of a little bit of a meditation and a prayer. Uh, and I'm really happy with them and I'm really grateful. And Tehila came up with a really great, Tehila Nasanyan, who does the artwork, came up with a great theme. It's like a kind of a spectrum of colors theme. Um, I think it's going to come out really nicely. Um, so take a look at that. Also, you can find us on the Intentional Jew Podcasting Network, intentionaljew.com. You can look for our book, Consciously, Six Steps to Living Vibrantly with Our Creator. You can take a look at another podcast I'm doing called Practically If I Bring In with my friend, mentor, Rebbe, Rebbe, not my Rebbe, my Rebbe, uh, mentor, maybe really my friend, Mayor Prager, who's a remarkable thinker. Um, and it's uh, it's Practically If I Bring In about Tanya. So take a look at that if you're interested in those things. You can find that on all the podcasting platforms. And uh, keep an eye out. Uh, we have some good interviews, really, really nice interviews, two interviews that I'm really, really looking forward to. It's two just remarkable people. Um, and I, I can't wait to record them and I can't wait to get them to you. And hopefully I'll, I'll think of some other really good ones. Okay. So serenity prayer. Why is it such a big deal? Like why, why, why does it impact people so much? It seems like silly. It's like grant God, if, if you don't know, the serenity prayer goes something like, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Why is that so earth-shattering, mind-shattering, life-altering? What's the big deal? So I think to really understand the power of the serenity prayer, what we really have to do is kind of take a look at addiction through the frame of the serenity prayer. So the serenity prayer looks at kind of, well, three things, but really two things, right? Which is serenity and courage, right? It's the two things we're looking for. We're looking for serenity and we're looking for courage. And we're looking for those things to help us have a sense of acceptance about our lives and in order to take some action to make some change in our lives, to change the circumstances of our lives. And in a certain way, if you think about it, what people get addicted to are things that they feel give them those two things, serenity and courage. That like how someone becomes addicted is that they find something that gives them a kind of faux version of either serenity or courage, or maybe both. And then they chase that again and again and again, hoping that it will give them some permanent form of serenity and courage that can allow them to face life. Now, I think there's like addiction is obviously much bigger than that. And there's the underlying traumas that a, pe a person experiences. And then there's the consequences of their addictive behavior that ends up driving the person to uh, leap further into their addictions. That's a big feature of addictions. But if we were to kind of separate that out for a second, meaning the underlying traumas that are driving a person toward dysfunctional behavior or toward a sense of discomfort inside themselves or towards a sense of low self-esteem in the first place. Not that the, not to dismiss those things, but right if we were to kind of parse those out for a moment, which we might do because humans experience that and not every human that experiences trauma becomes an addict, right? Or becomes addicted or for any other, any other reason, right? And then we also parse out like the functional consequences of being addicted and the way in which it 
kind of reinforces the addiction and then almost takes over. And the addiction itself is not even about what the person started off with. It's just about perpetuating their addicted state. I'm kind of separate that out because it's kind of a functional um, consequence of being addicted. The, the addiction itself are people's failed attempts or our failed attempts to find serenity and courage, which is interesting because if you thought about the things that human beings need most, in order to go out and get what they need most, which is like meaning and purpose and accomplishment, right? What they need most, like the tools they need most or the things they need most in order to kind of be in a place where they could chase their dreams, pursue their aspirations, are serenity, which in Judaism we would call yeshiv hadas, and courage. In fact, in this past week's portion, in the Parsha, it talked about the transfer of power that kind of was beginning to occur at the end of uh, Moses's life, right? Where he asks God, don't leave the Jewish people without a shepherd. And God instructs him to, to empower his student, Yehoshua, to be the leader of the Jewish people. And later on, the advice that Moshe gives Yehoshua when he's going to take on the people is chazak v'amatz, be courageous. So like courage and serenity are some very key needs. And that's a kind of funny thing to think about. Like, that's what I need. Why, why am I not actualizing what I need to actualize? Why am I not able to show up in the way I, need, I want to show up in the pursuit of happiness, if we were going to put an American frame on it, or in the pursuit of accomplishment or missionhood? And what the serenity prayer might teach us, or might open our eyes to reflect on, is maybe what you're missing is serenity, a sense of peace within inside that allows you to be your best, and a sense of courage to be able to go out and do it in spite of all the blockages that stand in your way. You see, if I don't have if I don't have serenity, like the prayer teaches us, I don't have acceptance. I don't accept where I am, so therefore I'm always operating from a place that I shouldn't be, and then I can't make any progress. And if I don't have courage. I can't make any change because everything is too scary. Everything is overwhelming. Everything is new because change is new by function. If change wasn't new, it wouldn't be change. It'd just be the same, a different version of the same. Change means I'm stepping out of my comfort zone. I'm getting out of the pool, even though it's cold. So I need serenity and I need courage. And the formula that the prayer implies is that there's either one of two approaches necessary in any given circumstance. And this is something I think really interesting to think about. The one approach is acceptance, right? I need to accept where I am. That's the goal. I encounter a problem and I need to accept it. The other approach is change. It's not acceptable that things are this way. I should do something about it. I'm going to do something about it. And then you change. Now, when a person feels like every circumstance calls for acceptance, they might be like more comfortable but they kind of like stuck in complacency. And when a person demands that every circumstance change to their whim, they might actually make things change, but they're definitely not going to be happy, nor is anyone around them going to be happy. And oftentimes they're going to create a bigger mess than what they started with. So what we have, the operation that we have to ask ourselves in any circumstances, what's the approach? And that's the wisdom part of the last part of the prayer. What's the approach? What's appropriate here? Is it acceptance or is it change? And if the approach is acceptance, what I'm going to need first is some, uh, some semblance of serenity, some semblance of peace of mind. I'm going to need to slow things down, 
maybe some meditation, maybe some reflection, maybe some prayer, so I can get comfortable in the circumstances that I'm in. And if the operation calls for change, I'm going to need courage. Because no matter how much I think I know, no matter how smart I think I am, no matter how powerful I think I am, change means new. And new is something I don't know. And new means I'm going to face fear. And the only way to face fear is with courage. And the dysfunction in our life really comes up when we utilize courage when there's nothing that we can actually change. Or we, we, when, we try, when we over-invest in serenity, when a situation or aspect of our, of, of our lives is totally unacceptable. Then we turn around and wonder why we're so unhappy, why everyone else around us is so unhappy. Why does it seem like I'm constantly making a mess in my life? Well, because you're trying to change something. You're applying courage to something that requires acceptance and serenity. Or you're applying serene acceptance to something that really needs to change. And it takes a fair bit of wisdom to know the difference between those two things. Because sometimes it's subtle, and sometimes I think you need both in any given situation. So what it, it's really introducing is a powerful dialectic that we have to navigate. It's the narrower bridge that we traverse. What do I need right now? Serene acceptance or courageous change? And in some ways, what's really powerful is that they're reliant on one another. Because I can't really make functional change unless I have serene acceptance. And I can't really have serene acceptance until I've courageously made the changes that make serene acceptance truly possible. And I think what that has to do with freedom is that freedom is a right that we earn. Let's say even within the frame of recovery, like freedom from the overbearing, destructive nature of active addiction only becomes possible when I take responsibility over myself, when I take responsibility to prepare myself to either face life with a serene acceptance of what is, which means not just facing myself and not just the circumstances of my life, but particularly this is true with the people in my life, because oftentimes we cannot change people. We can oftentimes make efforts to change circumstances, but we can't force change on people. And oftentimes we can't change people at all because people don't change. They adapt, they grow, they evolve. Sometimes, sometimes it seems like they've changed, but the truth is people don't change in the way that we demand. It's actually very disrespectful to demand that somebody change who they are. So it's taking responsibility for finding that place of serene acceptance within ourselves and of life. But then also it's the courage to actually make change, which is really, you know, talking about the day of independence, right? That was a very radical thing that those people did in Philadelphia and really all throughout the history of the American people, having tremendous courage to face a status quo and say, no, this is unacceptable. And the universe, fate, history is giving me an opportunity to show up and execute change that's not only going to be good for me, but it'll be good for my family, and it'll be good for the whole universe. And that's a remarkable thing, and that, but that only becomes possible when a person takes upon themselves the personal responsibility for changing everything that's in their power. And I think that's some of why the great sociologist Ernie Kurtz, who studied Alcoholics Anonymous and the 12-step programs his whole life, said that the 12 steps were a uniquely American phenomenon. Because I think these principles really cut to the core of what's best about this society, a society that both encourages us to find a way to live with other people with serene acceptance in mutual respect, 
but also empowers us to take responsibility for ourselves and execute the change that we can for ourselves, for our families, and for our communities, and to build a society on that alone, looking to God to provide the wisdom that we'll need in order to traverse all the different challenges that come. So that's why I kind of thought that this was a good thing to talk about on Independence Day, because this is a uniquely American idea. I don't mean uniquely American idea because Americans are the only ones that execute it, but I, the United States is a place that has placed a prominence on this ideal. It has made it the most important ideal. And I think there's a lot that all of us can learn from that. So happy Independence Day. And if there's anyone out there, uh, whether it's a service member, someone who participates in the political process, people this year we've come to appreciate even more, healthcare workers. Thank you all. May God bless us to have a little bit of serene acceptance, the courage to execute some really excellent change. And may he bless us with his wisdom to figure out how to get, all get along and do that together. to the Consciously Podcast. Consciously is a project of the Living Group, which is a division of Our Place New York, and made possible by the kindness of the Capellius family, in memory of Tsipora Basravaro. The host of Consciously is Menachem Posnanski. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can give us a review on Apple Podcast and subscribe on Apple, Google, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever else you get your podcast. We sincerely welcome and appreciate your feedback, so please feel free to email or on our Instagram and Facebook pages. Oh, oh, oh.